Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. I am so excited to be sharing with you a fantastic interview today <laughs> with a fantastic human being. I have for you today a two-time Emmy Award-winning choreographer who has choreographed over 200 episodes of television, including Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, The Simpsons, Reno 911, Key & Peele, The Morning Show, Dancing with the Stars, uh, The After Party, Dolly Parton, Mountain Magic Christmas, and the list goes on and on. She has worked with incredible artists, including Pharrell Williams, Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas, Logic, Carly Rae Jepsen, Weird Al, (laughs) Bonnie McGee, and again, the list goes on and on. She was a performer at the prestigious Upright Citizens Brigade for more than a decade, where she co-created and produced their longest-running musical, The Quick and Funny Musicals, and now, and has been up to for the last couple of years, a magnificent show called The Raggle Taggle Dance Hour. She is the queen of the intersection of joy and comedy when it comes to movement, and I am so excited to be pulling back the veil on her human experience that has been happening in the midst of it all. So without further ado, the founding president of the Choreographers Guild, Katherine Burns. Hi, Kat. Hi, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I know it's supposed to be another thing to say, but that tends to be a popular one. Thanks so much for having me. What if I was like, you're welcome. (laughs) It's happened. So it's fun. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, um, we haven't really had a chance to visit since you started all your new endeavors and work and everything. So I'm excited. Yes, this is. And thank you, truly. So before we jump in and I start asking you all the things, um, I would love to share a little bit about why I wanted you to be on. Um, I have, and I know this is going to make you uncomfortable because. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to mute myself in case my dogs bark. (laughs) So the reason why I have you on cat and to everybody listening in um i have been a witness to miss katherine burns career for honestly it feels like i it, 
I think in the times that everybody thought she kind of was an overnight sensation, I was able to actually watch the growth and the climb that she experienced. And I have been able to, when I was a dancer, I, it was so fun to be able to join you for a raggle taggle dance hour. And, you know, we did some really fun things together, but for me, what is so important is what's going on on the inside of you and how you have weathered the storms and the inner wisdom inside of you that you listened to, whether you were conscious that you were listening to it or not, um, because we do all have so much that goes on inside of us and so much inside of our mind that can um, stop us in our tracks and not allow us to move forward. And being that we have, I have a couple of different touch points on your life as far as, yes, you were a blossoming choreographer when I was dancing. Um, but I also have a friend that you is a friend to your best friend. And so I've been able to kind of see that climb. And I know that there are times when inevitably discouragement and, you know, disillusionment is part of the human condition. And because you always find the funny and your outfacing self of of what you do is so joyful and underpinned by such a lighthearted feeling um i don't want to get into the depths of degradation but i would love to know what what it's been like inside of you for this journey so um that's what that's really why i a big part of why i wanted to reach out and have you on because um in my eyes from the outside looking in um man it has been just an incredible thing to witness your journey and of course you are a climbing star you are a star in general and no in my heart i'm not saying we don't have not <laughs> but you know what i mean like it's just um i just really appreciate that you have stayed humble you have become an advocate for many in our community all the choreographers and you've always been on the, on the side of the dancer as well since dance is in your background so i have a lot of admiration and also a lot of pride in watching you from the outside so i was just it's really really uh meaningful to me that you said yes so thank you so much oh thank you thank you for um gosh that was so beautifully said and it is really weird to think about i mean i remember i remember i mean the journey of time you know like it's when you live in LA long enough you're like whoa, whoa wait wait I moved her 20 years ago am I even that old <laughs> yeah time kind of escapes you so it is nice to reconnect with friends and people that you haven't seen in a while that are like oh my god you've done so much because in my head I literally had this thought today while driving to Beverly Hills so I have nothing but time while fighting traffic of like man I really waste a lot of time if I da -da 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 -da. and I was like wait hold on like you've done a bunch of stuff and i was like you've you know maybe like you know like certain things aren't connected to money that are you know good for the community or things that just feel right in your heart and um i'm not like climbing any ladder i feel like i'm like a i don't know if this even makes sense but like a mario brother that's like different ladders you know what i mean it's like, it's like, oh, it's like oh. and so like in my head, I feel like I'm a I like a, there's a bunch of bumblebees, okay, and they're all running into each other all the time. And then every now and then they're like this way, and then, and then we go that way, and then you're like, and then we're gonna go the other way. And for me, uh, I also will say I uh, just started ADD medicine as an adult because <laughs> I wondered if the bumblebee feeling and the anxiety of like executive function of just doing very simple things 
like putting away the stack of bills on the table or whatever. There is not a stack of bills on the table. No, there is a giant one. But anyways, so that to be said, inside my head is the struggle of like giving myself grace if I want to take a nap, because I think the anxiety of living in LA and dealing with traffic and living in a business uh, or, or working in a business where you have to fight for everything you have. And um, and then it, when you do have it, it's gone within literally two days because <laughs> it was a two day job. <laughs> and so you have to have like 52 days jobs to like pay your bills. So I, I think I take a lot of naps. And I think um, my one my one friend recently was like uh, a newer LA transplant, but has lived here, but is, is looking for an apartment and just like, and, and then like was trying to get his bike fixed. And it was just like a shitty LA day. Like there's certain LA days that you're like, I hate this LA hates me today and I hate it right back. <laughs> and so he like took a nap and woke up like the next morning. And I was like, yeah, I, I mean, why do you think I take so many naps? Because I think if I didn't, I think I would crack and crumble. So I don't know if that answered any of your questions. Oh, I love that. I mean, it speaks to what I talk about with my audience all the time is that when our mind settles, we have a different view on things, right? Because the second that we're all caught up, it impacts how we're seeing ourselves in our life. And yeah. so kind of lean into taking care of letting our mind come back into balance the way it wants to, mm-hmm. and then it really helps us see clearer again. And so that's what you're speaking to. And I love that. And then separate of that also, though, I feel like, I mean, to be fair, I've always been a napper. So that's like, not really fair to say that, like, my mature brains, like, this is good for my mental health. Let's take a nap. I mean, after school, if I didn't have activities, it was like I was napping. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to, if you don't mind, can we start a little bit from the beginning? Can you share um, where you're from and when you knew that you wanted to be a performer? Oh, sure. I mean, gosh, you know, I think the performer, well, gosh, my see the bumblebees. I did. I answered five different ways and then didn't say any of them. Um, Um, I was born in Houston, uh, and then we moved to LA when I was eight for my dad's job, but like I, we weren't a part of the business or anything. He's in, you know, banking stuff. Um, and we moved into La Cunata, which is like passing the Glendale area. When I didn't do competitions, I didn't do Hollywood stuff. I didn't like know it existed, but I liked dance class and did all the things. And then we moved to Dallas three weeks into my freshman year of high school. And then I went to college in Missouri and then I moved to LA. So I say that because like, um, I think moving, moving around a lot as a kid, I mean, pretty formative times, I would say like three weeks into my freshman year, second grade, you know, and like LA and Texas are turns out very different. No surprise from anyone. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I think I just really learned to be flexible and make new friends. And I always went to like a summer camp every summer. Um, so I was like independent, although I was the youngest of four. Um, so I think like I, I had a lot of anxiety and troubles making decisions for myself because I didn't really get a chance to do that much because I was always like going along with the flow. So I think that's been hard to, as an adult and like a rule follower and good kid is to like say what I want and do what I want. (laughs) So it's been nice when I can like give back to community efforts because it's better and easier for me to fight for other people than it is for myself. But um, that's a bit of a tangent, but I think moving around a lot had something to do with that because it wasn't like all my friends were doing something. So I was just constantly making new friends. Um, 
so yeah. And then performing wise, I was always performing like, um, literally I would like the youngest of four thing is real before the internet. I was born in 1980. So like, I know it's not just the filter. (laughs) I would do like, like my siblings would go away to camp and I would put on like welcome home camper performances because, you know, there was nothing else to do. So they had to watch me. Um, my sister is 10 years older. She was a dancer. And then me and my brothers would do like commercials and I would do the dance. But, um, and then my dad and I would rent, like, there was one week in particular, we went to Blockbuster and rented all these old musicals. And every day we rented a new musical and he's like a sports guy. He's like six, six and basketball guy, you know, but loves to sing. And I think knew that I liked, would like musicals. And turns out I was obsessed and then, you know, like watch Grease every time I went to my aunt's house on her VHS deck, you know, um, and just kind of became obsessed with like the magic within the frame. And I did always perform like, I, but I, and I acted and I was like in Shakespeare and I was like Juliet and then did like musicals in college, dance team in college. Um, but yet never was like, I'm going to move to New York and become a dancer. I don't know. I just like always wanted to work in TV and film and I always wanted to choreograph for TV and film, but I didn't know how to do it. And there was no like schooling or process, but um, I was always my, my, speaking of like um, markers or I guess, what would you say? Like if someone was, someone was in your life since you're like five years old or something. Um, and like, like you said, like, like reconnecting after all these years, but having people in your life remind you of who you were, <laughs> who you are and the differences and similarities, I guess. But um, one of my best friends, Ariana from, from when we moved to LA, starting in Lake second grade was my best friend. And she said, she's like, you're doing the same thing you did then. I was like, what's that? She was like, after school, every day I'd come over and you'd make up dances. I was like, every day. She's like, yeah, we'd hang out in your backyard and you'd be like, do this. And you just like made up dances. And I was like, well, all right. That makes sense. <laughs> that amazing. That's incredible. Makes sense. It just, and then I remember like my very first compliment ever that I cared about was when I was even younger, probably like five or so. My best friend from Houston, Kathleen, had an older sister, and we were dancing to like Mickey Mouse Mouse Size. Mickey Mouse Size? I don't know. Oh my God. Mickey Mouse had a workout video, as did Get in Shape Girl, which was targeted for like five year olds to work out. Anyways, that's fine. <laughs> and let's not talk about that too much. That's a whole different thing. Um, no, exactly. I think we were making up dances to that. And our older sister was, was older sister was like, did you just make that up? That's really good. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, it must Isn't be. that amazing? So it became like this like core memory. Yes. Yeah. But I just always, I don't know, making up dances was always so fun for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I amazing. All the time, apparently. Like I always ask that when like I'm on the hair and makeup trailer. I'm always like, were you always that girl that like did hair, like played with hair? And they're like, yep, always. I was like, nope. I, in summer camp, taught myself how to do the double French braid out of necessity because that's what yep. everybody was doing and it was hot in Texas. And then I, 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 saw, I never learned anything else. <laughs> that was probably like second grade. And my hairstyle skills are like, do you want a double French braid or that's all I got? Oh, that's it actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. My nieces, I'm like, Somehow my sister and mom don't know how to do it. And I did it anyways, just like one summer. Yeah. That was it. No yeah. more hair, no more hair skills. Yeah. 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 Just the double French braid. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like if you were asking me how to curl, like to curl your hair, I'd be like, mm, don't, I can double French braid. That's all I can offer you. 
<laughs> I also had a summer where I taught it for myself too. Cause my mom was, I have three half sisters, you know, I'm the fourth, I'm the youngest also. Um, but, uh, she had started with them at 18 and had me at 40. So there's a big gap between us, but, uh, she wasn't, she loves hair, but doesn't same kind of thing. Wasn't, you know, not totally on top of all the different things. And so when dance competitions started, that's when I was like, well, I'm going to just teach myself because if I don't, you know, I'm going to end up being a mess all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I never, I never did dance competitions, but I did ballet and would cry every time my mom put my hair in a bun. I should have learned how to do it myself. Then I'd probably cry less. Yeah. <laughs> it always hurts worse when someone else brushes your hair. It does. What's about? It does. So when you, when coming back to Los Angeles, it was, was the pull, what, what was the pull? Was it because you knew you wanted to start stepping in the direction of your dreams or what was the pull that brought you from school in Missouri to coming back to Los Angeles? Um, yeah, yeah. I think I did want to, you know, um, just work in, work in TV and film. Like I actually wanted to be an editor at the time. So I thought I could make money being an editor. So I worked at a post house, my first job out of college. I was on hold for the Rockettes. I auditioned when I was in, I auditioned for the Laker girls and the Rockettes my senior year of college. Um, I excused myself while auditioning from the Laker girls, literally tiptoed off the stage or floor or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's a funny story though. Cause they were, it said, it said where like, um, um, show your midriff and the Laker girl audition. And, you know, cause Paula Abdul was a Laker girl. So I was like, yeah. come on. Yeah. And so then when I went, I actually met Victoria Parsons in line. Do you know Victoria auditioning for Laker girls? And Not then personally, she, but I know, yeah. she talked about La Cunata and that ended up being where she's from. And there's like 500, 600 people in line. And um, I think I had a four by six. I was still in college. Like I said, I was still living in Missouri, I guess. Um, and then, so we did like an across the floor combo, but, but sorry, before that, um, I see what everyone's wearing and I am, um, keep in mind, I'm a virgin at the time. Oh wait, no, I'm not. Congratulations to me. Oh no, no, I am. I'm still a virgin. Yes. I'm still a virgin. Yes. Um, I was like waiting until I was married, raised very Catholic. Yes. Yeah. So the, the like shock and awe of seeing sexy LA dancers was real. <laughs> and I was like the freestyle, it was like technique, technique, set kick, and then freestyle. And I was like, they're not wearing any clothes. And they look like they're having sex with the floor at this very moment. And they're naked. And they're naked. I was like, <laughs> mouth agape the whole time. Because I did my drill team and dance team. And it was all very, like, safe. Yes. Sexy, but safe. But also, like, you know, it was that one move where the hair goes back. And that's about it. You know, <laughs> everything else was like way too sharp to be sexy, you know? <laughs> um, and so I remember I was standing next to Victoria and I was like, I only have, a, I only had a tankini that showed like half of an inch of my stomach because it said, show your midriff. And I was like, great, here we go. And so she asked if I wanted to borrow, a, she had like this like leopardy bra. And I think I tried, but then I think I just felt too weird and like, not like myself and I just couldn't do it. And so I literally did the across the floor and then just tipped it off. I was like, this is not for me. And <laughs> just saw myself out. <laughs> I love it. It's good for you though. You took care of yourself. But answering what you're saying though, but like when I went to audition for the Rockettes, I made it all the way through. And then like they took all my measurements, everything. So I like, I should have moved to New York hundred percent as a dancer or performer. I wanted to work in TV and film. So I moved to LA. So I thought I wanted to be an editor. 
So I worked at a post house in Dallas for a year when I saved up money and then moved to LA. And then, yeah, worked in client service at a post house and a, and a restaurant and took dance class, took all sales dance class. And that's how I got my first agent was taking his hip hop class, but I never got, I never got sent on hip hop auditions. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that got you in the door ended up not being the meal ticket. <laughs> and KCT was actually the person um, who signed me. Kristen Campbell Taylor, and she's we 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 then dance together at the sweat spot, which is where I think you took my class sometimes. It is exactly where I would take your class. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. So what were the first years, those kind of leaning into the next kind of chapter? What were those first years like for you? Like, were you clear on your vision as far as I know I want to dance for these different people or work in TV and film as a dancer, or did the shape start to, did the edges on the dream start to kind of happen at that point with choreography? Like what, what were you foggy? Were you clear? Were you just kind of doing what made sense in the moment? Yeah, I think I'm like a more of a, in no sense, like the present type person. Um, and I felt, and I feel really wishy-washy about that in general, but then I have this like Buddhist, Zen Buddhist wisdom for anxiety book that I opened today. And it basically just said, you know, take stock in the present. Nothing will be the same along the lines. And I was like, oh, that's actually really helpful. There is so much joy and wisdom when you are present, but like, I think you actually fully have to be present. Not like, I don't know. I feel like you're either a planner or you're like an in the moment type person. I feel like you can do both, but it's like comparable to like, you're either naturally a morning person or you're naturally a night owl. I'm yeah. such a night owl that it's like, I can pretend I can be awake, but it doesn't matter. My brain will not function until like noon. And I think it's because I was born at noon. So I blame that. <laughs> I like, well, I'm, I'm just like you, but I was born at six in the morning. So maybe oh. it was, maybe my body is like, screw you. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you forced me out too early. <laughs> true that's who knows anyways but um but yeah no i i don't know it's it's i've been thinking about that recently just like over the i don't know what made me go down this like oh i know i went back to where i used to live for a while um and i was just like trying to envision like younger me and like i feel disconnected from it in a good way and a bad way but um but yeah i i don't know i just wanted to like play and do stuff and like I, I did want to work in TV and film performance wise, acting wise, dancing wise, editing wise. Like I didn't care. I just wanted to learn and I wanted to do everything. Um, my first job was a Paramount page. So I obviously was like marched myself into it all and noticed quickly that like a Paramount page position wasn't going to lead to anything when I was like giving tours and wearing this like terrible outfit. And, but noticed how some, there was like weird moments of like, uh, um, I was working soul train. But um, my job was to point to where the bathroom was, <laughs> yeah. for, stand there for two hours and point to the bathroom. And I was like, I'm so close to what I want to be doing, but so far away also at the same time. Yes, um, yes. So it's kind of like a fly on the wall experience because when you're in this like outfit, people just totally don't pay attention to you. So much so where I would like change real quickly to go work or to go meet friends or something on the lot. Um, and the second I changed into like cute, quote unquote, normal looking girly, quote unquote, not to be gender normative, but at the time, you know, um, outfits, people, these like dudes were like hitting on me and like, are you an actress? And I was like, ew, like, I just saw quickly how much, um, you know, how, how someone dressed can really affect, especially as a woman, how you're treated. And I just, it felt really icky and gross. 
people like you an actress. I'm like, no, I'm an editor. <laughs> and I really yeah. liked that. Um, not, I didn't like being hit on. I really didn't, which is strange. I know women are supposed to like compliments, but I never have. I don't know. Whatever. I have a very weird association with like getting pretty and looking pretty. If that makes sense. Like taking time and effort and money to like look nice gives me like crippling anxiety, which is weird and always has. I don't know why. I just don't enjoy it whatsoever. Hence the hair thing and the fake filter. I didn't put on lipstick, but a fake lipstick is fine because it didn't take me any time or money. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love what you're talking about. I I would love for you to, if you don't mind, share a little bit. We're going to I'll, I'll time, time hop us back and forth a little bit here, but I would love for you to share a little bit about what you're talking about with what you're looking at right now with, tell me a little bit more of what you mean that you're kind of looking at where you were. And is that something that's present recently where you're wanting to kind of reflect on where you've come from and, and yeah, yeah, share a little bit about what, what, what are you going, what are you moving through right now? Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's 2003 is when I moved to LA in April and obviously it's 2023. So I think they're like, after being in a place pretty regularly for 20 years, I was like, okay, let me kind of fall back in love with LA because I feel like I loved it for such a long time. And like, I also have just, and now that I'm actually working in it more, obviously you you know, you can be very jaded is one way to say it or disappointed or less excited about gigs or like, I don't know. It's just weird how like the thing, um, you know, you remember getting like the SAG card and you take the picture with your SAG card and then how quickly like jobs can turn into like a normal occurrence. And you're like, what is it? Who's doing it? And like, will you like, you know, and I know I'm, and I'm not Jade and I, and I do love it all, but you know, another way to do it is like the three P's it's passion, prestige, or pay, you know, are, are they one of those three? And that's in general. Right. But I think um, I'm going through like a bit of a non-straight answer to this, no surprise there. But I think what was so exciting and fun about building my career was how much I got to play because I was in this like indie comedy scene um, as an improviser. I was studying at UCB and you said that I have a plan and I, and I didn't. So I was working next door at the clothing shop, also at a Paramount page, also at a steakhouse. So I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and do Dr. Phil to like one or two or something. Then I would go to Native or whatever and work from five to midnight every weekday. And then on the weekends, I worked at a steakhouse. So like that doesn't make any time to do anything creative. So like I kind of spent my like younger years when I was like hot or whatever doing jobs I knew were going to like lead to anything. Um, But then they did in the most organic, beautiful way possible, I guess, Um, so that's where my brain goes. And I, and I built a lot of relationships that I'm now, you know, seeing the fruits of those labor, so to speak, although they weren't labor, they were just very organic and natural. And I was just like generally really curious and excited about everything. And just like, I think really hyper. <laughs> so I'm either like really hyper or sleeping, really hyper or sleeping. I mean, I'm a normal person emotionally, like my emotions are stable. Um, I don't let like the highs and lows, like really change my demeanor, I guess. Um, because everything else is so dramatic, I think in LA and in this business, yes. um, so I've somehow sadly kind of numbed my expectations to like survive a little bit. Yes. And so I think when I wanted to like, look back at things to be like, what was I excited about? Um, I also spent three months being out of town for like a job in Albuquerque and Rhode Island, New York, and seeing my, staying with my folks in Austin for a bit. 
and like coming back to LA of like, what did I love? What can I explore? The city is so big and overwhelming that sometimes it gets, um, so there's something so big and vibrant with so many options that then it becomes overwhelming and I choose nothing. <laughs> choose yeah. like the local spot you always go to, but you're like, that's also not why I pay this rent and live here, you know? Yes. Anyway, it's a very, very long tangent. But, oh. but when I was at that clothing shop, that's when um, there was this theater next to us called the Tamron Theater. And uh, these, these the neighbors went door to door to meet the new neighbors. They're like, we're buying the theater. We're Upright Citizens Brigade. I was like, oh, I think I've heard of your TV show. And we became friends. And so I met them literally as they were paying the walls and like texted them, congratulations. There was a line around the corner. So I started doing improv there. And so like my career started from the non-dance competition world and it came from play. It came from like comedians doing a sketch about, you know, two dudes that run into each other, a UPS person and a FedEx person, they do a tango. And, you know, I was also a professional dancer that like mostly did Christmas jobs at the Grove, but still, <laughs> you know, was still dancing sometimes for money, not full time. Um, like I said, mostly the like should have been in New York Rocchetti type jobs, but here I was in LA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that happened really organically. And then I think I'm just like a say yes person in general, when something feels right, I just say yes. And if someone asks me, I go period. Like I just go and I'm like, yes, I show up. I show up for friends. I show up for people. I'm not as good for showing up for myself, to be honest, like in downtime, hence the sleeping, like I'd probably take a nap rather than go through my to-do list. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I was just surrounded with like the best, funniest people in the world and the most talented dancers in the world. So naturally, eventually they came together because that's what I always wanted to do. Like I love Lucille Ball. I loved watching I Love Lucy's. I love the Carol Burnett show. I love comedy. And then so I was making all these really cool indie comedies where I got to play. But obviously in Hollywood, the more money you have, the more limitations you have, which is kind of like when, you know, networks give notes kind of thing but also trickles down into dance and choreography and anyways and then and then obviously just the activism and the work with the choreographers guild it's just really just heartening how much choreographers have always been up against and um you know it's hard not to like let that you know mute the shine of your dream job a little bit but but luckily there's a beauty in all and all of us coming together because i'm such a fan of choreographers and um feel really lucky that i could have my own little space and have somehow, whether intentionally or not, carved out my own little niche. Well, and that's a, to, what I'm hearing from everything that you just said. And thank you for tangenting because it, Sorry, I'm a tangent no, 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 no. I'm legitimately so sturdy in myself by saying I love it because what it illustrates for everybody's listening is we can get caught up in the idea that you're supposed to know exactly where you're headed. So that way, then you could figure out the how to get there. And the reality is, is what you're pointing to, what you kind of shared at the beginning of, of that, of that story was that keeps you so attached to ideas of how things are supposed to go. And that can end up making you kind of stop yourself when you are measuring how you're doing in the present moment to that idea in your head. And it looks like you're falling short. So then you start to go, Oh God, is it me? Is it worth my time? Should I move home? You know? So mm -hmm. that's really important to point out that there's actually there's in, from my purview, there is so much value and frankly, practicality 
and actually recognizing that the path is always where your feet are. Mm-hmm. And we think our way into thinking that we're off path. Then mm-hmm. the reality is, is just like you're saying, even through all of those different side jobs, look at how there's a through line to all of them. Mm-hmm. And UCB, which will obviously I'm going to kind of get into that a little bit because I think it was the connection to Crazy X, but I want you to to define yeah. that for us. But I mean, look at that too. You're working at the clothing store next door and it ends up being kind of this, you know, this beautiful direct line to a job that at least from the outside looking in looked like the thing that really made you kind of raise the basements, as they say, you know, it's like, that's what kind of made you come into, um, come into view for producers and creative directors and people in in a way that they're like, oh shit, what is she doing? This is, there's, there's something here that we've been missing and she's filling it. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it started by you working at the job next door, you know? So it's, so I think we can get ourselves so anxious and worked up when we think, oh, I'm off course. When the reality is, is that is literally impossible, literally impossible. The, the, the way forward is the way forward. And the only thing that can get us caught up is we've got ideas of how it was supposed to go. And that's what gets us that we're off. Yeah. And I wonder like, um, you know, I don't teach very much, but when I do, it's, it's hard, it's hard to like hammer home this point enough. And I, and as I, as I heard you talk, it was like, I was less focused on a plan, but more of like the me of it all. Like, who am I? And one thing I've pretty much always been consistent about is just staying and being authentic to myself. Like, you know, when I said like, you know, was waiting until I was married, it wasn't because I was like, I don't know, like not my, I was, I was an anomaly. It wasn't like all my friends were uber Christian and all virgins. It was like, I just, it didn't feel right for me. (laughs) And like, I had all different types of friends from like different religions and, and um, I didn't want to lie to my parents about it. And I had this, like (laughs) my young brain, which I still think isn't a terrible idea, but whatever. I know this isn't about that, but I was like, but if I have sex with someone and the sex is really good, but they're a bad person, then that's going to ruin whoever it is I marry because then what if they're a great person, but because I had this other sex that was better, I won't love them as much. (laughs) Oh, you were kind of (laughs) right, but kind of not like the things I said is like, I I read a lot of self-help books as a kid. I don't know why, but I I did too. I mean, I come from a family of therapists, though, so my oh, okay, okay, I didn't. Um, like, there's one my, my best friend in high school gave me called Joy Breaks when I was um, going through a high school breakup, and there was like, you know, like little everyday devotionals or Bible verses sometimes, but Catholicism isn't as like Bible heavy per se. But yeah, I just really liked like self help books and like being a good kid and like finding that joy and authenticity or. I don't know. Or like, I would also like listen to like love songs and cry, even though I never felt love like that before. Like, I remember the first time I heard I'll always love you from Whitney Houston. I just like started bawling and I was like, Oh my God, is that love? Whoa. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I don't know, like I didn't drink when I was in high school. I was like never, ever one for peer pressure. And, you know, I think girls made fun of me a lot and I don't know. Anyways, like, So I think I kind of naturally had this like own moral compass that was like, 
do what feels right and authentic to you. And the times in life when I feel like I have tried to be something other than I'm not, it never works out well. <laughs> and it just like, and it is so weird and cliche to feel like the thing that brings you jobs is because of who you naturally are. And it's like a joy to be able to show up into a room knowing that you're what they wanted, like versus me trying to be cooler than I am or like, um, I guess a story for this would be comparable and very, you know, more, more face value is um, I choreographed for Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas. Um, he's so awesome. And he was venturing out from Black Eyed Peas doing his own solo thing. I want to say around 2015 or 2014. And I had just worked on the Happy video, the Pharrell Williams one. I had like cast and movement coached the 360 people that are like the star of their own video. And then Fatima worked with Pharrell. We were totally separate. Um, but I was like honored just to like be in the same, yeah. <laughs> even though, yeah, the production company hired me. And anyways, um, that to be said, because of the success of that video, this director was like, oh, you should meet with this girl, Catherine. She's like fun and happy. And so when I met with Tab, he um, was just so cool and chill. I'm not either of those things. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I might like by accident be cool or chill, but not on purpose. And he, when I sat down, he was like, so what's the history of hip hop? And I was like, oh, well, um, so not, I'm not going to be that person. I was like, but I understand like where dances come from um, and respect the communities of which trends have come from. And like currently Memphis Juking is kind of blowing up and um, it's really exciting to see, you know, in the eighties, like just talked about the evolution of what I thought popularization slash bastardization of hip hop. Obviously that conversation now would be much different than it was in 2014 from the things I've learned. I've learned. And I think I would have been like hire someone else, like even a tangent sidebar currently, there was a moment where this big company reached out to me to choreograph a musical and, um, want, and they kept on saying it needed to be hip hop. And I was like, why me? Not, I should not be doing a hip hop. Yeah personally I'm like it could be musical it can be whatever matches the music I go but if you want this to be like hip-hop I can't choreograph this alone if not I'd, I'd have to have like a co-choreographer like this isn't appropriate for me to do um especially since that's not the world I come from as a dancer or performer yes but anyways so so I still got the job with Taboo, even though I said, even though I stumbled about hip hop and I was like, I don't know. It's like, I really like bringing performance out of people and helping them find their authentic joy and power and whatever that may be. Um, I've worked with different, you know, you know, crews and stuff that I think would be awesome for you. So I crewed up in a really great way. It was like all these amazing dancers. Um, anyways, B-Girl Shorty, Legacy, like, all, you know, Jet Li, like all these amazing performers and reaction. And anyways, I can go on and on. And on. So then we're in rehearsal and I have my notepad and it's like all organized and I could tell you know, like impact and villain were already on the road with him or like with Kinjas and stuff. So then, you know, me, <laughs> very tall, very white. Um, and uh, I had my notepad and I was very organized and he, I could tell he was like kind of digging that. And then, you know, we only really had 30 seconds to do like any choreography throughout the course of the video. And like my uh, assistant, well, Jet Li was, you know, assistant choreographing, choreographing, but like choreotics, like with waving, it like takes a long time to like feel the effects of a one and a two Iana, you know, like it takes like three and a half minutes to fully enjoy the creative power of animation perhaps, or like waving. I'm, I'm probably bastardizing everything, but to my knowledge, um, and so you had to like commercialize it a little bit, right? And so then 
I'll never forget in rehearsal, Tab comes up to me and he's like, yo, I really get you now and I like you. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I was like, I did it. But like, I didn't try to be anything else, you know? But like, I still was able to give him what he wanted and needed and like see his artistic vision. And it's not me, but I'm help. I'm, I'm, I, I get in my head, especially during everything that's happened the past few years of like, where do I belong? What is my lane? I like had an existential breakdown pretty much being like, I don't have a lane. A lane. I don't own a lane. I shouldn't even be on a lane. I should even be on the freeway. <laughs> like, you know, I really panicked and I was like, but what I do know is joy. And what I do know is storytelling. And what I do know is I'm able to facilitate people's vision in an authentic way for them. And Versus, you know what I mean? Versus like pushing my own agenda on them, whether it be creatively or otherwise, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and then just, I know I'm tangenting and slash, maybe this is just a long rambling story and you can edit it later. <laughs> but um, uh, fast forward to one of the girls got hurt and couldn't, or not hurt or double booked or something, I don't remember, and couldn't do the music video. So Tab was like, Kat, I want you in it. I was like, what? Because <laughs> I want you to dance in it. And I was like, tap you've seen me dance he's like i know you dance like me i was like well i'm trying to dance like you he's like i was like wait really you think i'm dancing like you he's like yeah i was like oh my god <laughs> and i was like fine then i need a cooler name and they were like k flames <laughs> and i said yes okay but with a z okay and then <laughs> so i was in i had my name was k flames and i want I, I don't know if i'm credited as such but i think so <laughs> and on top of it all, I'm feeling like nerdy as hell and not good enough at all to be with these phenomenal dancers and performers. I then um, ran out of contacts. So I had to put my glasses on in between takes to like be the choreographer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, can we just, um, and then, okay, glasses off. And then I was like blind and I couldn't see and like trying to like do my best K Flames dancing. So, anyways. This is incredible. I mean, all of what you're saying is, and I know what you mean by what it looks like to actually just be you and be hired for that and the power in that, right? That's, that's major. And what I'm hearing from you is that you're trying to communicate that to, to the community when you do teach and in times when you're speaking with people, because we do get into all of these ideas of what we're supposed to look like, who we're supposed to be. And that's not, and that's, you know, for all of the non-artistic, meaning non-performer types that are listening, it's the same in every industry, True. you know, like when I'm, I, in my private practice, I'm working with lawyers and, and CEOs and people who all have so much conditioning around who they're supposed to be. And that in and of itself stops them from being their authentic self and, that stops them from connecting heart to heart with people. Because even if like you're saying with, with him, that, you know, the question, if you had this idea of shit, 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 I'm supposed to be super cool and on this and know the history of hip hop, it would have, there would have been a disconnect between you and him in that moment. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you had a little thought storm for a moment. And then what I love though, is that your default is just to go back home to yourself and go, okay, 
this is what I can do. This is what I do do for people. And if that fits for you, and right. the reality is, is more often than not, no matter the industry, no matter who you're speaking with, whether it be friends and family, and you're working through a challenge, or you're speaking to somebody who's major and, you know, holding the paycheck for a possible next job, it doesn't matter who you're speaking with when we come from that really natural place that, um, you know, that in and of itself is what allows people to connect in a deeper way. And so that's what that ends up being the calling card as opposed to here's my resume. This is what I can do. This is all that I know. And that actually is that stiffens people up. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I uh, just for everyone listening or watching and or I uh, am also completely hypocritical because I'm working on my reel currently and the editor, Sarah and Claire Ross are working on it together and they're doing a great job. And I, it takes me so long to respond because I, uh, I, I panic and I think I'm annoying and oh, my work looks sloppy. And there's, she did this like intro of me being me and the note that I'm like not giving because I haven't responded yet, but in my head, I'm like, but no, I seem so annoying and I want to be cooler than that. And I want people to hire me for big budget movies. And I don't want someone to look at that and be like, God, she's annoying. Calm down. And then not hire me. But then I guess in hindsight, I should be like, well, I guess that is what I am. <laughs> so well, and it's, and well, and Kat, to be honest, it's not, it's not annoying. It's absolutely, it's refreshing who you are and your lightheartedness honestly is so refreshing so well, it's let's better for other rooms it's better for some rooms more than others okay that's fair to say yeah <laughs> and, and that's okay and that might be saving you from some directors that you might not want to be working with yeah. frankly i'm for saying sure. and then also with dancers like my rocket audition when they taught the tap dance when they taught the break i was really impressed i was in the back and i went whoa and then everyone looked back at me and I was like, oh, you can't have a personality, don't have a personality, got it, okay, no personality here, save it for the dancing. And then, <laughs> and then my, 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 one of my best friends, Katie Russell was like, a rock had her whole twenties and I think into her thirties too. Um, but they always had to re-audition her because I guess she was on the shorter side. And she was like, it was so fun auditioning for you because you were the only one who clapped for me. You were the only one who clapped for anyone. And I was like, well, Hmm. Maybe there's a reason I never got hired, <laughs> but that's all I wanted. All I wanted to be was a rockette and they yeah. just never hired me. They got me all the way. And I knew I could do it. All my friends were doing it and they wanted me to the end. And then I was like, well, it's a good thing it didn't happen. I'm still a little, I'm 1% still bitter about it. It yeah. was 90% bitter and now it's one. So <laughs> if I was a rockette, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. So that's Right, exactly. And we're allowed to have a tiny chip on our shoulder. It's a, it's it's allowed. <laughs> and I know women have lots of personalities. It's just it's not productive to have it, I guess, in a dance rehearsal. So whatever it is. Well, it's the same experience I had as a dancer. You know, my mentor was Helene Phillips, and yeah. I always had a hard time um in auditions. Like I share this with my people who listen in all the time. I lived in an anxious body for over 30 years. You know, the what I teach now and share now is what saved me because it changed my relationship to my mind. But all of that being said, it's no, it's a no-brainer to everybody who was around me and in my kind of closer inner circle that I'm doing what I do now because when I would do when I was at auditions, I 
Helene was like, Jesse, you have got to get in the corner and turn around to the corner and run choreography in your head because you're way too involved in everybody else. Because I felt like it was a big family reunion. And I was like, yes, you're amazing. Yes. And then I'd go out there with all of my anxiety because now it's my turn and eyes are on me and I'd blank. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but she did great. Just hire her. <laughs> all the time. I would like coach my friends while auditioning against them. Like, put your hair up, it can't see your face. Also control your kick. It bought was really nice, but it's a little crazy on the way down. Okay, what? I'm ready. And I'm like, Catherine, why are you talking? Also, why are you messing up on choreography? It's like, what? I'll just go. Okay, bye. Thank you. So much. <laughs> God bless Kat. We were absolutely meant to be where we are now. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, wait, just on that quick note, it's not a tangent. This is a concise, quick bite, sound bite, if you will. Whenever I get stressed out, anxious, or overwhelmed creatively, all I have to think to myself is, let's play. Let's just play. And then we'll go from there. Let's just start playing. Whatever it is. It's really helpful. That's major. That's major. So my next question actually was, because we are moving right to the end here, quick, quick, quick. So I got to get make sure I get this in. And this kind of feeds into what you were just saying. When you have experienced, I, I talk about these moments with folks, the hammock moment when you're between where you used to be and where you want to go. And this fits emotionally, spiritually, obviously, but also can fit for in between jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Or it can fit for in between like what you're saying, where you are and where you want to go as far as now you want to go to more major motion picture, right? So it's like that hammock moment. Inevitably, we can experience. And even when we're in the when we feel like we're thriving, we can experience this because it's the nature of the human mind. But um, we inevitably can start to experience fear or discouragement or you know things of that nature insecurity um so what has that experience been like for you and what has been helpful for you in moving through that Hmm. yeah i think insecurity uh is is gonna stay with me forever but not in a like um i guess i don't i don't know there's two different ways to describe insecurity there's being insecure or like having self-doubt. Like I, I'm not an insecure person, but I don't actively work on self-love, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know this is exactly your question. Um, what I do honestly want to say is it's still a struggle for me. And and um, I don't seek validation from others, but it is really nice to hear you say that. And sometimes if I get nice messages or DMs, I'll, I'll screenshot them to like remind myself of the good I've done or like, some of my friends will be like, oh, I know I met someone who knew you or wanted to work with you and they said X, Y, Z, and it was really lovely. And it's a good reminder for me because <laughs> I get in my head about being messy and annoying <laughs> or whatever it may be. I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing good for some people. And like, you know, obviously, as I kind of said to like the insecurity of not feeling cool, um, I think, I think what it all goes down to like all that matters at the end of the day for me is that I'm a good person. And um if i'm doing my best and being kind then that's all i can ever hope to be so uh, yeah i just kind of and then like i said with the the building the the, sorry the roadblocks of self-doubt i just go okay let's play 
and or more practically speaking, I'll just communicate with what I'm going through with whoever I'm going through it with. So if it's an assistant I'm working with or an associate or a dancer or a friend, or sometimes those are the same person. So it depends on how much they know or little they know. I kind of tell them my process and I'm trying to get better at boundaries of what I expect from people or what I don't expect, because I feel like people can show up for you better if you're clear. And I'm like, oh, right. They can't read my brain. That's right. And that's really hard for assistant choreographers is because they have to read our brains. And that's nearly, it's an impossible task to be an assistant choreographer. It's very, very, very hard how to show up exactly, but not be too pushy, but not, anyways, that's a whole nother, that's a whole, that's like five podcasts is just how right. to be an assistant choreographer. Because <laughs> it depends Honestly. It is. There's yeah. a lot. There's been so many things where I'm like, shit, I could have her back for an, just yeah. a five series. I'd love to come back. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, yeah, it's helpful for me to tell people how I need help. So like with, with this one job with, with kids, it was like a musical episode. We didn't have a lot of time. I said, I will crumble if I have to worry about scheduling. Can you just take that over? And they are, uh, Lou Becker assisted me on um, this job in Albuquerque and he's living in Albuquerque and it was perfect. And he is also um, a casting producer and, and handles scheduling and, you know, for stressful reality TV stuff, you know? And so he's like, Oh, I love that. I go, you do. He's like, I love scheduling. I'm like, okay. It's literally my worst nightmare. He's like, happy to. I was like, awesome. Thank you. So whenever a producer is like, what about this time? I go, Lou, how much time? Just an hour and a half. Okay. Only an hour. And I was like, well, you just, and I'm like, if I know that something's going to be a trigger for me in the job, whatever it may be. And I, I hate, I really don't like using the word trigger. Um, but if something's going to stress me out more than it needs to, I guess to say, um, I'll try to communicate that with whoever I'm going through life with. Yeah. yeah. Like, like even as small as like with my friends, my dad and I are such good friends and get along all the, all the time, except for we're in, when we're in the car and we always have fights in the car because we all are backseat drivers and he hates being told where to go. And I hate being told where to go. <laughs> like We just, for some reason, get in the stupidest fights in the car. And so my friends were like giving me a hard time in the car and I'm able to take a lot of stuff on without being sensitive. I go, guys, this is not funny. Please don't make fun of me in the car. This is the only time my dad and I fight and I'm very sensitive about it. I go, oh, okay. And I was like, okay. I do need help knowing where I'm going. Well, where do I turn? <laughs> so I find those helpful if that answered your question. <laughs> oh, it's massively helpful. And it's a life lesson, Kat. It is for anybody listening, because that's the thing. Because when we get into ideas around, you know, I'm supposed to be the leader, so I'm supposed to know all the answers. Right. You are screwing yourself up shit creek. Well, that's also when people get angry and yell because they're not processing real human emotions. They're just off-putting something. I don't know. Yep. 100%. And then you end up creating an environment that's totally toxic. Yeah. 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 So good on Good for you that you have come to that and realized that that's massive. No, I try to, I try to take little lessons and take them with me. And also like, that's the joy of when people are like, oh, you're nice through this. I'm like, well, I'm also like not young and not new. <laughs> like everything comes with experience and time and a good heart if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, have, I have a list of 15 questions. Yeah, I'll try to be faster. I'll be, this is like rapid fire. 
um, that's actually a fun idea. We could do a little quick rapid fire situation. Did okay. Let's do. Try to keep this one short because I am because I am coming. You have you're going to have to work at it because this is like this was a pivotal point of your career, and I want you to share about it. Um, I wrote with crazy ex girlfriend, seeming like an overnight sensation for you, right? Because that's when everybody was like, "Who is this woman? Who you know who finds the funny? You know." what was that? What was it like for you getting that gig? It was awesome. Um, so Rachel Bloom and I uh, did UCB together. I, I started a company there called Quick and Funny Musicals, um, where we do short comedic musicals, like in 10 to 15 minutes, a lot happens in a short time. And we did it every month for 10 years. So when people are like overnight success, like, how do I do what you do? It's like, do a show every month for a decade. <laughs> and then, and you're in, and the first company ever, it was like Jeff Hillier, Eugene Cordero, Artemis, Rachel Bloom, um, Jackie Johnson, myself, Nate Clark, um, and Tony Rodriguez, uh, I'm sure I'm missing someone, but anyways, so she was in our first ever company. And then we also did this show with the Apple sisters. We just kind of like danced and so musical theater nerds kind of found each other. Um, and then I was doing sketch comedy driven stuff for like Key and Pill, Children's Hospital, um, lots of other just indie comedy bang bang and so crazy x i was just doing everything i was doing but just on under one roof like parody driven sketch dance stuff <laughs> did you did you feel the i know that the when the question comes for people when something becomes a big success right because crazy ex-girlfriend did have really amazing success right as a tv show and most people at the beginning of the process go we had no idea so being oh. being that you were on the ride with it did you have any kind of did you get into into any kind of insecurity around holy shit this is a big scripted television series this is major for my career or was that not even on your uh, like you know in um, your well speaking of ride and journey of it i i wasn't even on the ride to begin with originally uh michael rooney was choreographing and um he had worked with mark webb and did amazing work with five more days of summer and it was a much bigger budget <laughs> for showtime i believe um there was like 150 200 dancers in the big opening number and um uh you know rachel had said as colleagues and friends and i choreographed a music video for her for funnier die which is another way i like kind of came up was doing a bunch of like indie comedy music videos. Um, if I if I were an Instagrammer, I'd now be rich. <laughs> but it was for funnier die and whatever, um, which I loved. I loved fun fact, there's also like a video of Bruno Mars feed, feeding me ice cream as I'm crying on the couch, which hello, when is that gonna happen? Um, the video is called What a Man if you want to find it. Um yeah. so the <laughs> so Rachel was like, would love to have you choreograph and then later was like they're hiring Michael and I was like, well that's great. I'd love to um dance if you need anybody. So like I went to the big open call and there was like 500 people and then was like you know background for a day doing a cross and then in the big opening number with pretzels and i was really excited to michael to work with michael i had never worked with him before and he's just such a riot and so much fun um and have such respect for him and his work um i mean hello it's also quiet bjork so like whenever I, I i also like one of my best friends hired other more famous choreographers than me at the time i'm always like you know I get it. <laughs> like, I don't have that body of work. I get it. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. However, 
possible. The, I mean, the amount of times I've washed up to other choreographers and my producer friends, like, I'll still dance if you want me to. <laughs> and even still, I'm like, do you now need like a middle-aged woman to say a few lines and maybe do a little sway? I'm in. Sign me in. Yes. I want to play. It's so fun. Um, anyways, uh, that so that to be said, then um, a year, the show got can't, they didn't pick up the show for Showtime. And then a year later, it was resold to CW and reconfigured with different DPs, different creatives for, I don't know why. Um, and they reached out to me for an interview and I was like, oh gosh, okay. Um, and I ended up, you know, telling Michael and his assistant at the time that I, that I was doing the job. And if they ever wanted to dance or whatever, let me know. Um, I felt bad. I don't know. You know, it's just well, awkward. Yeah. You know, when you're like, I don't, but anyways, um, he did such beautiful work. The sexy getting ready song was his number and the West Covina song was his number. Um, and that was the, the, the pilot season 101 was his, and then I did the rest. So then, then my journey began. And for me, it was just like me and the cast, like I just was there for them. And a lot of them hadn't danced or sang before, um, especially not for television. A lot of them hadn't done television before. Um, and so it was just really nice. And, and I guess when I would get overwhelmed with the big scope of things, like the Emmy was such a shock, like it was such a shock and also had, you know, great assistants come and go. Um, Dom Kelly assisted on season one and two a lot and Megan Kong later and particular Russell in season four. And, you know, luckily when you get bigger opportunities, you get bigger talent <laughs> to help you. And that's obviously immeasurable, but I had understood like the comedy background of everything. And so like, have the best dancers in LA, like back up the comedy was like such a dream. And then also the best comedians. And, but yeah, the ride literally was, we thought we were going to get canceled every season. Cause like the budget was low. And I can't express that enough. The budget was low. I had no time for anything. I had like maybe three minutes of rehearsal with Rachel ever. Like I only had an assistant twice a week. <laughs> like two days a week or three days a week or something. Um, and we did two to three music videos an episode and an episode was shot over seven days. So it was an hour long show. So it was long, but yeah, we really thought we were going to cancel all the time. And then just like the fandom is awesome. The fans are just so amazing and they're still finding their way to it. And even still like my niece now, like who back then obviously wasn't allowed to watch it. Now she like watches all of it and like binges it and is in college and Oh, it's cool. And then at the, the very, very end, like I directed and choreographed the Radio City show. And yes. we did a whole bit about us being Rockettes. And I was like, now this is some full circle shit right here. <laughs> so Maybe like, that's right. what percentage started to shrink from 90 to 1%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but we, what we really wanted to do was um, there's a crazy ex song called Period Sex. Uh-huh. And and I was like, what if the Rockettes did like a kick line, but with pads? And every time they kick, I know it would never happen and they would never say yes to it. But what if? <laughs> oh, can we just, I'm so glad you said it out loud because that's going to make that happen and it needs to happen. That would be excellent. Well, so we did get a hold of them and just asked some numbers. They're very expensive for us. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't afford them to do anything, even if it was very polite and proper um still couldn't afford them so then we just said why don't we pretend like we're rockets <laughs> we she got like gold lame amazon costumes so lo-fi rockets anyways okay oh. next question oh, what a rapid fire answer that was <laughs> no that was a big one that i wanted to get to hear from you and i i'm gonna end with my final question that i ask everybody so i will end there but i will say before 
quickly, if anybody wants to learn more about you who isn't in the industry and just wants to go and poke around, what's your website? Share that with everybody. Oh, yeah. it's um, I should update that. Sorry about that. It's thecatherineburns.com, I believe. Yes, so it is. I was just letting you say it, but I know that that's right. You're a good podcaster. And it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. A lot of the reason why I go by cat is because everyone misspells it. So it's easier just to say cat. Yes. <laughs> and everyone decided to call me cat because it's too much to say Catherine. So Catherine, <laughs> Catherine, I don't care. Pick one. They're both yes. But the website is thecatherineburns.com. And then your your social media, your Instagram is at Cat and Burns. Amazon marriage. <laughs> cat marriage burns. Cat burns. Cat marriage burns. That's my middle. What if your middle name was marriage? I wonder if someone's has to be. Oh, probably. In the, you know. So um, okay. So what I want to say is before I say your final ask your final question, I really appreciate thank you for giving us so many different illustrations from your personal life of really showing that no matter what's going on inside, that when we can honor what is true for us, which is what sounds to me has been a really helpful part of you and your knowing about yourself, your whole life, even in high school about not being peer pressured, but Mm -hmm. having that knowing of your true self, the one that's underneath all the thinking, right. That's creating the, the, the disillusionment. Um, just, I love that what you have shared today has really illustrated about what is possible for us when we continue to walk in that direction. It's really heartening. It's really, um, inspiring and motivating. And um, it's so nice to know for everybody that no matter how the journey goes with the up and down, when you go home to yourself inside and move from there, inevitably you will, in hindsight, see the through line for all of it. And you really illustrated that today. So thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. My final question to you is, and you can answer this, whatever bubbles up to you, whatever comes to mind, I don't care. I know you find the funny, so likely you might, but uh, the, uh, you know, whether this is practically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever comes to mind, the final question is, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Catherine Burns at Cat M. Burns, uh, what moves you? Well, I just wanted to say I was moved by the spirit. <laughs> I don't know why that came up. No, but I do think I, I am moved by spirit. Um, whether that be the spirit of, you know, like the game, like being a cheerleader, cheering people on, um, having school spirit in the sense of showing up for a community, having spirit of faith that people are looking out for you that, you know, you may not see right in front of you, whether it be guardian angels or um, you know, Jesus Christ spirit or teachings of Buddha spirit, like the spirit of, of humanity. I think, I think maybe that might move me. I mean, moved by the spirits, I felt like a bit, but then also if I think about it, I'm also like, that's, yeah, that's probably true. And then, you know, not teen spirit, but maybe. (laughs) But the reality is that really fits for everything that you've shared. So thank you so much. I've never said that out loud before, but here we are. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So my therapist said once, a therapist forever ago once said it was bad that I laughed and sang a lot. What is your take on that? I know this isn't my pod, but I just wanted to ask you as a professional. 
I completely disagree. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, is laughter shutting people out of my life and not letting me get intimate with people because I'm laughing all the time and not being taken seriously? No. Yeah, no, I completely disagree. Thank right. you for asking me the question. Because yeah, there is that thing where, you know, when we get vulnerable and intimate that sometimes people use laughter and kind of, but the reality is, is to me is when the more we can get comfortable with recognizing that that is just our natural response to things, because that's our, that is your spirit. Mm -hmm. And then the reality is, is the more the, as I've known you, even though we haven't been intimate friends at all, but as I've known you, you know, I even dealt with you when I was an agent, I worked with right. you, you know? Uh, right. we've been, you know, we've kind of been connected in different ways. And, you know, beyond that moment of, of having a moment of lightheartedness, you always, you're, you're there, you're really present. And the, and you, just like you've been answering these questions, you go for the funny and then you get right into the soul of things in a really deep way. So no, I would take that off the table that that was something that was wrong or bad for sure. Okay, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. Got it. Note taken. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you Thank so you. much. Congratulations. I can't wait to listen to all the episodes. I can't wait. To uh, Thank you. I really appreciate that. Roll. Yeah, exactly. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram at What Moves You with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at WhatMovesYouWithJesse.com. And please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now, let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.